0: Well good morning. We are thankful that you are here. It's one of those good mornings to get out and enjoy a little bit of cool weather that we've all been looking forward to, but we are thankful that you are with us today. It is our busy day of the month. We've got a lot of good things going on all the time, but uh, we hope that you can plan to be with us at uh, two thirty or 2 o'clock at the Sally Daisy Healthcare Center for our afternoon worship with the residents there, if you can be. Uh, Certainly our teens will be leaving right after services, I believe, with Heath, uh, headed out towards Udawah. They're going to go out and eat lunch out towards Hamilton Place out there and then go to the singing and be back this afternoon. So any teenagers, you're welcome to join in uh, and have a good time and go to the teen singing and enjoy that. Uh, we are thankful that you are here. We've got several visitors in our midst, had a chance to meet a few maybe first-time visitors or a few visitors, but some of you that we already know, we're thankful uh, that you are with us today. We're missing a few, as is sometimes the case with those who are traveling. Bill and Sylvia usually uh, let several of us know when they're going to be gone. They were visiting family up near Cookville today and weren't going to be back this morning and maybe not even this evening, especially as Bill uh, gets a little tired, but we are uh, hope that they have safe travel. Cody and Santana are gone as well. They actually uh, we may have to ask them. They, they may prove that uh, they were in a wedding, uh, but up near Washington, D.C., so they may prove that you can make it to D.C. and not get caught up in things in D.C. and come all the way home, you know, and be back with us. They hope to be back with us this evening. Uh, maybe even worse than that, though, um, Harrison and Tabitha may prove that you can go to Tuscaloosa and not get eaten up by anything down there around the university that is down there and things. So, uh, but we're thankful that Harrison and Tabitha are back with us, and uh, you can catch up with them. And, uh, ask about the good work that they're doing down there. Uh, but we're thankful that all of you have chosen to be back with us to, or be with us this morning. And again, many things in the bulletin that you can keep up with. We'll be praying for good weather in a couple of weeks. Uh, if you can spend the day on that Saturday, we look forward to a lot of, a lot of us being able to go to, and be a part of the heart walk that morning. And then you're welcome to come to our house that afternoon and spend a good time uh, in fun and fellowship. Last week, we began a series of lessons that we're going to take through this particular month. Uh, And then take a break. We might come back uh, next year or so, God willing, and look at some more things. But asking the question, why? Why do we believe certain things? Why do we practice certain things? Why do we say certain things from time to time? Last week, we talked about why there is one true church, why we believe that to be the case, why the Bible talks about one true church, not one that you join per se, and not not in the usual way that people say that. I, I think I might have mentioned that towards the end of the lesson, uh, sort of inadvertently said the church that you join a few times, and while you were added to the church by uh, the Lord and somewhat you join it, it's not the way that people oftentimes use that. In the same way, I, I sort of just maybe out of, of quick thinking, inadvertently was using a, a picture of a church building uh, most of the time on the slides last week. Again, not, uh, not intentional because you don't join certainly the church building here. The church is made up of the people, but it's important for us to understand those things, especially when it comes to our, our language, the things that we say and the way that we say them. Uh, there are some things that, that people in the world use that are not exactly incorrect, uh, but the world has taken it and twisted it to mean something that's not in accordance with God's will. So it is important for us to consider our language and the way that we say certain things. But it's also important for us to consider a why. When we think about why, there, there is a why to everything that we do. There's a why to, to why you got up and went to work, or maybe you still do, of course, every day, or at least five days a week. Of course, that's to put food on the table and to pay the bills and to have clothes for your family, to support your family in some form or fashion. But there's a why there's a why for everything that we do. And sometimes we don't really consider that. Sometimes it's simply because my mother did it that way and her mother before her and her mother before her did it that way. I don't know if there's anything necessarily wrong with that depending on what we're talking about. Sometimes our why we, we do something is because it's easier. It's simply easier to do it that way. And I'm talking again, getting our thoughts sort of thinking about Uh, church related things or worship related things but even more so just why why do you make the bed that way why do you cook the ham that way why do you do any number of things sometimes it's because of family sometimes because it's easier and yes sometimes it's because we've always done it that way now again we will give sometimes that idea a hard time and we'll say well we should never do anything because we've always done it that way but we do in and of itself nothing wrong with that maybe depending on what we're talking about. It might work for some things, but not everything. This morning, we're going to consider a very important statement or a very important question. And I hope that you will listen and study with an open mind and open Bible. This forum, this idea of the preacher standing before the congregation does not give us any room for discussion in this particular moment. And that's that's okay most of the time, but it may be that through this discussion this morning, things creep up in your mind, questions about why something is said that way or maybe further explanation. And I hope that you will give us a chance to explain those things in further discussion. I hope that if questions come up in your mind that you will ask, even if this 30 or so minutes right here maybe not be the best time, we hope that you will consider these things very seriously. There are several different, I don't like the word arguments per se, although that may be true, several different arguments, again, in the way that we use that word sometimes. There may be several different points or several different defenses or really just several different ways or means of explaining what we mean with this statement that is on the screen. And so this morning we've picked about four to look at together very quickly But there may be other ways to explain what the Bible has to say about salvation and what baptism has to do with that. In fact, this morning, it might help us to clarify. What are we not talking about? Because that helps from time to time to understand. The question this morning is not whether or not one is saved by faith. In fact, Paul would say, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9. It's not a matter of whether or not we are saved by the blood of Christ. Again, Paul, just a few verses before in Ephesians chapter 1 in verse number 7 says that we have forgiveness through the blood of Christ. Redemption because of the blood of Christ. So that's not even really the question. The question is not whether or not we are saved by God's grace. Again, Paul, for by grace you have been saved. So yes, we're saved by grace. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to discuss this particular topic with someone, but these are things that sometimes come up. Whether or not one is saved by baptism alone, whether or not one is saved by works of merit, or saved by water, or maybe even in particular the water. If there's something about the water that's in that tub or in that baptistry. That's not what we're talking about this morning if you have questions about whether or not we are saved by grace or saved by works of merit or saved by our faith, we can look at that. But that's not what we're going to get at this morning. The question is, at what point is a person saved by faith? If we are saved by the grace of God through faith, then at what point is a person saved by faith. That helps us to consider what we're looking at this morning. It really helps us to kind of hone in this discussion even just in about 30 minutes or less to be able to understand what we are getting at. You may hear bigger statements or bigger words used from time to time, especially in the form of a debate. We don't have those very much today. My father-in-law was, was able to be a part of one about two or three or four years ago in the Dunlap area. Someone was willing to have this discussion in a very civil manner, but to be able to talk and have a debate. When you do that, you have to set terms and understand things. So we, we have things like water baptism or the essential nature of water baptism. We, we take this and we turn it around. But this morning, we're going to ask this question and try to understand at what point is a person saved by faith? There's our question again. Why? Why? Why is this so important? Why would we devote time to it? Why would we implore of you to come back and ask questions if you have them? Well, let's talk about that before we get into our main points. Sometimes it helps us to break a subject down into its simplest form. We joke sometimes about the brains of women and the brains of men, and sometimes that men are so set on having things just in the very simplest form, and that, you know, we just want it as easy as we can get it. Sometimes that helps all of us. And so to begin this morning, think very simply about these ideas and we'll understand why it is so important. If baptism is not essential for salvation, then those who teach that it are, are binding where God has not bound. If I'm standing before you and saying that baptism is essential and it is not, then that I'm going beyond the means that I need to. I'm going beyond God's word and not just me, but anybody. Whether someone in this pulpit or our eldership here or any congregation up and down this area or in the world, anyone would be a false teacher if they are going to claim that it is essential when it is actually not. But on the other side of the page there, if baptism is essential, if baptism is essential for a salvation, then any, and by any there, what we mean is any accountable human being, then any accountable human being who is not baptized will be lost. Again, there's red flags and sirens and warnings and lots of questions that come up solely in that statement alone. And I hope that you'll hear the discussion we'll have here in just a moment. But that's why this is so important. Not only that, but in connection, those who teach that it is not essential, who would say that baptism has nothing to do with a person being saved, are false teachers. Now you get the idea. There's false teaching in here somewhere. And when we go all the way back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and 3 and forward, there's false teaching there because someone says that God doesn't really mean what he says. And so there's been false teaching for a long time, but there's false teaching somewhere in here. Whether someone is claiming that the Bible says more than it says and is binding, or they're claiming that this is not the case, or, and if it's not essential, then any bab- person who is not baptized will be lost. Or excuse me, if it is essential. Why is this so important? We've already kind of answered that question. And so the next question that it begs is, what does the Bible have to say about the matter? Four points in the lesson will be yours. They're not numbered per se, but Mark 16 and verse number 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Now, we're not here to put necessarily all the weight on the words of Jesus that Paul's words mean nothing or vice versa. But you will see here, if you can make it out in the color, those are words in red, which typically mean they are the words of Jesus Christ, the son of God. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Let me ask you this. Which of these two statements do you believe? That he who believes and is baptized will be saved? And that is, I believe, the answers that are in your notes there. If you're looking along, believe and baptize equals saved. What did Jesus say? He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Is that which, which of these two statements that you believe? Or do you believe this second one? And I apologize, my, my uh, slides got off there in the format. But he who believes will then be saved and then might or might not be baptized. Which of these two statements do you believe to be true? Which of these two statements do you believe to be true in light of the word of God, in light of the words of Jesus the Christ? Believe and baptize equals saved, or you can believe and then you are saved and baptized. What if we've said it this way? That's a nice car on the screen there. What if we read it this way? You walked up onto the Ford lot there and we're looking at Mustangs and there was a sign that said, he that believeth in the Ford Motor Company and is baptized in our pool shall receive a new Ford Mustang or a new Ford. Well, then that begs the question, what must a person do to get that new Ford or that new Ford Mustang? Well, if we compare it to what the sign said, as we would compare what we're talking about to what Jesus said, he that believeth in the Ford Motor Company and is baptized, that's who's going to get the new Ford. But could a person say, I believe if you'll just give me the Ford and then I'll be baptized, we'll just be able to work this out. Now, most of us know, and I hope there's no car salesman in here, but most of us know that car salesmen and riding being on the car lot is sometimes a little sticky, and sometimes you're wondering about what that fine print says, and if they're saying what they mean, and you're going to get what they promise, and we're going to all pay attention, whether it's a house or a car or whatever it is that we're buying that costs us a lot of money, we're going to pay attention to the fine print. I would think that if the Ford Motor Company ran a promotional such as this, They would want to hold people to exactly what it said. And if it said what this says, then we would understand. But the question begs, and I know this is a little silly sounding, trying to use it in this way, but the question begs, what would the world say? How many people would walk up on that lot and say, I believe in the Ford Motor Company, but you know, I don't really want to get wet. I didn't bring a change of clothes. I don't think my parents did it that way. Any number of things that we could fill in the blank with... Then, would the Ford Motor Company be willing to give them a new Ford? No, they want to get every dime of ours, of course, as we oftentimes will, will, even though we negotiate, they'll oftentimes want to get every dime that we say that we will pay, and rightfully so, I would think we would need to do exactly what they told us to do. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. What does the Bible say about baptism and salvation? The second thing we're going to look at this morning is Acts chapter two and verse number 38. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, as you're filling in your outline there, there are three words, I believe. The first one is Peter says to them, repent. He says to them, secondly, that they needed to be baptized and thirdly, that they would receive The remission of sins, or for the remission of sins. We're all very familiar with Acts chapter 2 here and what has taken place. Peter and the other apostles are there. They're standing before this great crowd of assembled people, and they're preaching. So there's preaching, and then sometimes we skip over it, but amongst the preaching, there is conviction. There is belief. These people are hearing the preaching, and they are believing what Peter has to say. So because of that, some preachers would say that they interrupt. Now I asked you a moment ago to hold your questions till the end or till maybe another time, but it seems like here, Peter's may not be done. He's getting ready to finish up possibly, but they interrupt him because they're convicted because they believe. And so after their conviction of their sin, they say, men and brethren, what shall we do? So there's a question there. What shall we do? And Peter gives them two requirements. They're the two on the screen here or the two in your outline. He gives them two requirements to repent and be baptized. Those who believed were told to repent and be baptized. Now, as I said, I think my my slides got a little off here, maybe from doing it at home. but, But this is supposed to emphasize here train cars for the purpose of our illustration this morning. Train cars, two things that are connected together by the word and repent and be baptized. They ask, what shall we do? Peter gives them two requirements, repent and be baptized. Now there's another important word here and I didn't emphasize it with a color or a circle or anything, but it's under the word baptized as you're looking at the screen and it is the word for, what does that have to do with anything? Well, it's a very small word, therefore, and in fact, the word that's used there in the Greek, you might jot out to the side, is the word ace, E-I-S, the same number of letters, a very small word. It's a little word, but just so you know, my entire senior level paper that I had to turn in and I had to debate the teacher in front of the class, senior level Bible course, my entire paper for part of the final grade was over that word for. So suffice it to say, I got lots of material on this and we don't have enough time this morning to get into it. But this is a small word that I spent a whole class period debating the teacher on what it means. And here's why. The word there is translated, that's ace, is translated for. You might see it as unto. You might see it as well as the screen says, in order to. What we would notice here is that repentance and baptism are going the same direction. You repent and you're baptized in order to. Now, part of the problem here is that some people would say, and by the way, there are even scholars, and I use that word very carefully, but scholars. I've got the books on my shelf. I looked at them this morning by a person who would say that that word means because of. Now, in our English language, here's what that means. I might say to you, and of course, it wasn't the case last night, I can't sleep for the heat. What do I mean? I mean that I couldn't sleep because of the heat. It was too hot, and I couldn't get any sleep. So sometimes in our English language, that word for means because of. I can't sleep because of something, or I couldn't do something because of something. That's in English, yes, but not in the Greek, and we could have put the other passages on the screen, but we don't have time to this morning. Here in this particular passage, as we're looking at it, what one of these things is for, repent, repent. Because they are connected here and they're going in the same direction, what one of these things is for, both of these things are for. They are coupled together like a train car, repent and be baptized in order to get or obtain or receive the remission of sins for the remission of sins. But here's what the world does. They take that word. And again, even scholars and will make it go the other direction that a person repents because of, or they are baptized because of, but you'll see here what we have is two cars that are pulling in the opposite direction. And again, there's a lot of discussion that could be had here, but that's a problem. The world would tell you that you are baptized because of the repentance of sins. And that just doesn't work. Another point in this same section of scripture here concerning Acts chapter two and verse number 38. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 28, as Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper, he makes this statement, and I'll give you the whole verse. He says, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, there's a Greek word or Greek phrase or Greek words that are used on the screen there underneath for the remission of sins. What's interesting, and one of the points that we can make, Is that in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Peter says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, the exact same phrase. So if it's because of, we've got a problem. And here's the problem. Think about what Jesus has said. His blood is shed so that we can receive the remission of sins. Did Jesus die? Did Jesus shed his blood because they had already received the remission of sins? That would seem crazy. Why would he have to go to the cross? In Matthew 26 there in verse number 28, why would he go to the cross if forgiveness of sins is already there? I'm going to shed my blood because you already have forgiveness of sins. Doesn't quite make much sense. I'm going to shed my blood because so that you can receive for the remission of sins. Well, that sounds like a necessary act. That sounds like something that must need to be done. The Hebrew writer would say that there must be the shedding of blood. That makes sense with other biblical teaching. So then why do people go to Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38 and say that we are baptized because we've already had the remission of our sins? It's the same language that is used in both places. And I ask again, did Jesus die because they had already received forgiveness of sins and I would answer is the same way that Paul does sometimes. God forbid, certainly not. May it never be so. Jesus would not have had to die and suffer on that cross if we already had it, but he did so so that we could obtain it. We are repent and are baptized so that we can obtain the remission of sins. And it is the same expression there in both English and Greek. Number three. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 21. Peter says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So again, very simply a question for you looking at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 21. Which statement do you believe? That baptism doth now or also now save us or that baptism doth not save us. Now, for the sake of time, we don't have the time to get into verse number 20. But if you happen to turn there in your Bible, First Peter 3.20... Peter even goes further, or before he gets to verse 21, and gives us a great picture, a beautiful example of the washing of water, or the idea of water salvation in a sense, when he talks about Noah and Noah preparing the ark and his family being in there, saved through water, them coming from the old world into the new world. And not only Peter here in verse number 21, but in other places, and including the Apostle Paul, would talk to us about the old man then being washed or saved through water, and being a new man. And there's a great picture or example or illustration given here by Peter. Which statement do you believe from what Peter had to say? That baptism doth now save us or does not save us? As I said before, there are many other questions or many other questions that come up or ways that we could look at this But sometimes we just simply have to look at what Peter and the other biblical writers wrote and including exactly what they recorded, what the Son of God, Jesus, had to say. Before we move to our last point here, think about it this way. I've asked you all along, not only last week and this week, and we will continue to look at what the Bible has to say. So would it not help us then to go to what the Bible actually has to say to see maybe some examples of what people actually did on the pages of the New Testament, including what we already have and what was said? Could we not look at the Bible and see people who were saved and how they did it or what was said about that? In the book of Acts, there are at least eight cases of conversion. If you were to take the book of Acts and sit down in one reading and go front to back, you might find eight. And I'm fixing to put a chart up on the screen. And I've seen a similar chart that maybe has 10 or 11 different places listed. And that's okay too. You may have seen a chart like this before. But there are at least eight cases of conversion in the book of Acts. Would it not help us to consider what those say? To think about what those people did? Now, here's a chart. I think we're missing at least one. Again, I was worried about the format there. But we're missing the Corinthians down at the bottom. I'd be willing to to show you this or to print this off or or you can find it many other places. If you simply Google sometimes, you can find things like this. But of the eight cases of conversion in the book of Acts, you will find different things. You will find some people who believe, some people who repent, And some people who confess. If you look on our screen here in just a moment, as we talk about God's simple plan of salvation, you won't find many of these verses used. Because we oftentimes refer to what the words of Jesus are. Where Jesus said that a person needs to believe or confess or repent. But when we look in the book of Acts, we see these people doing these things. What's interesting as we think about these cases of conversion is the right hand column. When we look through the book of Acts, when we see people who are converted, who are saved, again, to use the phrase that many people often use, you'll see almost every single time, every single time, baptism being mentioned. Nowhere in the Bible do you find baptism after someone has been saved. Let me say it again. Nowhere in the Bible, never in the Bible, do you see someone being saved after baptism. Or excuse me, before baptism. said it backwards there. They are baptized, then they are saved. There's a connection there. That's a whole other lesson for a whole other time. But baptism is absolutely essential because we see it time and time again on the pages of the book of Acts. We see it in the words that we read on the pages of the New Testament. We see it in the words of Christ. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Nowhere, never, ever do we read many of the false teachings that go on in the world today. The question again is, at what point is a person saved by faith? It really is that simple. Now, as I stand before you this morning and I ask for you to consider these things, and I really do, I will try to conclude here the same way we did last week. There are plenty, there's plenty of more discussion that can be had Especially discussion, asking of questions, talking about these things. I would gladly sit down with you. Our elders would gladly sit down with you. Many people in this congregation would gladly sit down with you. If you scratch your head and say, well, what about, but what about, what about my family? What about my friends? What about other people in the world that I go to school with, that I work with? What about people who did this? What about this particular verse? We want to ask, we want to discuss, because if I'm wrong, and I have been wrong before and will be wrong again, maybe on something in the Bible, maybe not on something in the Bible, I would gladly admit it, especially if we can sit down and study and look together. It really is this important. It really is this simple. As we said last week, please, please give us a chance to discuss, to discuss these things, because these discussions can open more questions, especially tough questions. But through all that, it doesn't take away the verses that we've looked at this morning. It doesn't take away the examples in the words of the Bible. And so God's simple plan of salvation is still true. It is still there, just as we used this slide last Sunday morning, and as we have done over the course of many months together now. It includes hearing the word of God, as you have been able to do already this morning, believing that word, Believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Being willing to repent of your sins. That is, change your mind. But not only change your mind, but allow that to change your life. The way that you're doing things. Repenting of sin. Choosing a life of holiness. Confessing that Jesus is Lord before this great audience even assembled here this day. And being baptized for or in order to obtain the remission of sins. So that you can be added to the church. Yes, you do join the church in a sense, but it's not that anyone here votes. It's not that anything like that takes place, but that the Lord will add you to his church and you can begin to live faithfully. It's an important consideration. It's why we talk about this and why we sing this song at the end of every lesson, because it may be, although that the Lord's invitation is open 24 seven, that the first people I baptized in this church building was at nine o'clock at night. Any time that you want to do it, we would gladly discuss it with you and go through with that. But it's why we take the time at the end of every service to encourage someone that may be thinking about those things, how important it is. And as we are about to sing this song that's been selected. Maybe you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. Maybe you've done that. As we studied God's second law of pardon earlier this year, we're thankful that God does not strike us dead the first time we mess up. But he extends unto us the opportunity to repent of our sins, confess of those, and he is faithful to forgive us. This song has been selected and we will be singing together to encourage you. If you need to make a change as we stand together and as we sing.